All right. Are you ready to get into the Word? We have something so special, and that's the Bible, God's Word, and we turn to it every week. And so if you've got your Bible with you, paper, digital, or otherwise, I invite you to turn to that. Let's read this um, kind of pre-benediction. I don't really know what to call it. I call it a pre-benediction, but uh, let's read this together. Ready? Go. My Bible is inspired by God and is useful to teach me what is true and to make me realize what is wrong in my life. It corrects me and teaches me what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip me to do every good work. All right. Well, next week we're going to start a message series in the book of James, the letter of James. Um, but today we're wanting to take a, a moment in uh, recognition of something um, tomorrow, uh, which is the day of the Christian martyr. And I would just, you know, I just can't help but almost laugh at the absurdity of of this past week when you think about um you know as if pandemics and 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 violent you know rioting marxists weren't enough uh i woke up wednesday i think it was wednesday morning woke up to forest fire or like wildfire smoke did anybody else smell that this week and i thought oh we got a fire and then a couple hours later we had the earthquake and i thought this is turning out to be a great week this is really exciting uh I don't know if I missed anything else, any floods or uh, plagues of locusts or anything. I know it seems like cockroaches are worse this year. Um, yeah, I, I, does anybody else feel like the devil is on the loose? It just sort of feels that way, doesn't it? And, and the reality is that he is. He is. And so we're recognizing, today we're recognizing tomorrow's day of the Christian martyr because, because this, it, it all t- kind of ties together. Um, you've heard people say, oh, don't be such a martyr as though it's just kind of a small thing. Being a, a, a martyr is, is a big deal. It's, it's a real thing. It's when someone loses their life, uh, for the cause of their faith. When they're killed for being, uh, believer in something. In, in, in some kind of fervent cause and particularly in the matters of faith or religion. So it's nothing new. It's been happening since the Bible times. But it is still a constant reality today. In fact, I've just got a 30-second video I want you to watch uh, right now. In the scripture and in church history, we read stories of those who paid the ultimate price to advance God's kingdom. Considering it an honor and a privilege to give even their very lives to spread the gospel. On February 7th, 2017, they shot and killed Pastor John Paul. He knew the danger. And yet he also knew the call of God. Pastor John Paul is a wonderful example of someone who considered the worth of Christ to be more than the value of his very life. So this particular guy is is being recognized in particular this year by these agencies as um, as a pastor in Central African Republic. And um, as things became increasingly violent and many or most believers fled uh, their villages, uh, Pastor Paul felt compelled to stay and continue to minister, and, and he was killed uh, there in his village <clears throat> for the cause of Christ. And so that he's being recognized uh, for that. I want us to turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Uh, keep in mind, the Bible is not a book. It's a library of books, 66 books. And the very last book in this library it's called Revelation. It's the revelation, something being revealed, the revelation to uh, 
the Apostle John. And we're going to go to chapter 12. Big numbers of the chapters, small numbers of the verses. If you're able to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to do that. We're going to be in Revelation 12, starting at verse 7. There was a war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. And this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has limited has little time. Let's stop there. You can be seated uh, together. I would say if there's one upside to this ridiculously crazy season of the pandemic, it's that we are getting a teeny tiny taste uh, as believers of what our Christian brothers and sisters around the world have endured for generations. Uh, you know, things like limited freedom to gather, uh, hateful speech, uh, toward Christians and symbols of Christianity. You saw that this week, some, some calling for the tearing down of images of, of Christ. You, uh, you're experiencing censorship and slander. Uh, what we have not been subjected to really is, is physical or material persecution, confiscation of belongings and, and so on. Um, you know, being killed for your faith. We've, obviously we're far from that still, but we're getting a teeny tiny taste of, uh, of what believers have had to experience, as I say, for generations. Meeting only in secret small places. We're not meeting secretly. Obviously we're on YouTube this morning, but, uh, you, you get a little sense of that. Obviously we know things could be worse and you're going to get worse. If you read a little further in Revelation, a couple chapters later, you read about this, this, this really uh, sobering moment when this beast requires everyone to receive a mark. We're not quite sure what that means, but it says a mark on the hand or the forehead, uh, the hand or the forehead that would, that would allow you to participate in commerce. The day will come when you will not have the freedom to buy or sell if, if you are a believer in Jesus and you'll have to find other ways to do that. So we know some challenging, challenging times are coming. And if you, if you are surprised, you think, oh, you know, nobody, nobody, nobody will be that dumb to fall for these things. And then you realize how quickly uh, we get swept into big changes very, very quickly in something like a, a health crisis like the pandemic. So that's all pretty heavy, isn't it? It's just like, Brian, I, you know, I came to church this morning to be like encouraged and built up and, and give me a boost for the week. And you know, you're talking about people dying and, Marks of the bees are like, Brian, seriously? Like, there's gotta be a little more weight, lightweight, you know, something more joyful in this. And, and I would say there is. The question is, how do we live with joy and freedom and confidence in Christ in, in the midst of all this and, and not fear the future? How do you live in joy, freedom, confidence and not be afraid of the future? I would say we, we, we pray, you know, we're 
praying these days for our nation, and we need to because we are experiencing what happens when a nation turns its back on God. Even even in this sort of, you know, you think about 30, 40 years ago, even in a passive way, folks who were necessarily believers were at least understanding that, hey, people of faith generally add a lot of value to our to our society. And that's really changed. That is really viewed very differently now. And so what happens when a nation turns its back on God, you have chaos. That's what ensues. But like I say, it's nothing new. Um, we read these things in the Old Testament, particularly, say, in the book of Judges. You read what happens as people turn their back on God. You read it in the New Testament. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, writing a letter to his young friend uh, Timothy, he, he wrote this. I've got this on a couple of slides for us. Let me read it to you. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider it nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Boy, it's not hard to see some of that happening right now, isn't it? We, we see that. Paul says that's what happens in the last times. Listen, I want to tell you something. The devil is not at war with you. It's not personal. It's not personal. He is, he, he is at war with God. And he's seeking to steal glory from God by keeping you from trusting in God. As we read in the, those first verses of, of Revelation 12, 7, 8, and 9. The devil has already lost the cosmic battle. And he's been cast out of heaven. And he's been cast down to earth. And so all the devil has to work with are the systems of this world, the systems of this earth, governments, philosophies, education systems, uh, you know, different ways that, that we function, commerce and so on. And so he takes a great system, let's say something like free market uh, capitalism. He takes a great system like that, but he uses our greed to twist it for harm. Or he, or he takes a wicked system like the slavery of socialism or communism and, and, and distorts it to make it sound like sweet freedom. You see how that works? So the devil works through the systems of this world. But we should not fear. I want to keep emphasizing this. You don't need to be afraid because the definitive turning point in history has already happened. We read it in verse 10. Let's put this one on the screen. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser, that's the enemy, that's the devil, the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So what is he saying there? Salvation has come. That means there's salvation is available to all through faith in Christ. And the power of God has been revealed. That means that God has enough power to accomplish anything that needs to be accomplished. The kingdom of God has come. That is the establishment of the eternal reign and the, of God and the eternal place of your allegiance. You can make allegiance to the kingdom of God. Next week is, is a bit of a, you know, it's our Independence Day weekend. And, um, you know, I, you, you guys, seriously, this week, uh, be praying for our nation. Because if there was ever a weekend, we could expect some really crazy stuff to happen. It's next weekend. And you need to pray for our nation. We don't worship the flag we don't worship the nation, but we honor and appreciate all that this nation has given to us. And um, so just be, be in prayer about that. But our ultimate allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And then also has come the authority of Christ. That's a governance 
that is undefeatable. And so I want you to notice that God only deals in truth while the enemy only uses deception. God invites you by your free will to trust in him while the devil uses coercion and intimidation and manipulation and extortion to win people over. God uses, God offers life and the devil controls people through, get this, the devil controls people through the fear of death. People are afraid of death and will do whatever it takes to, to get to another day because of their fear of death. But God offers you life no matter what. Now, I pity the person who has no hope for eternity. Right? For the person who's no assurance of eternal life. What else can you do but just hunker down and, and hope for the best and try to kind of get what you can out of this life? But for you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you aren't living in fear of getting an illness. You're not living in fear of dying. You don't, you don't fear those things because you know this life is brief anyway. And so you have eternity to look forward to. Becky and I were just talking yesterday about, about the next 20 years. And, uh, and we agreed that it's going to go like that, just like the last 20 years did. And so we don't live kind of trying to hold on and preserve. We want to live in freedom and joy knowing that we're not afraid of what should happen. I think about this when I walk through the grocery store. You know, my, my little game these days is to try to read people's faces just with their eyes. Because we got the masks going. And, and um, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. It's hard to read faces, isn't it? Uh, through that. But um, I had one person yesterday. I was at an event yesterday morning. And this lady kind of looked at me. And I, and I thought, what what I do? You know, and she said, and she had the mask, she says, I'm smiling under here. I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you for telling me. And I was wearing my mask too. We were like, okay, nice. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't know. I couldn't tell. Um, but listen, when I, my game is I'm looking at people's eyes and saying, do I see fear? Do I see panic? Do I see joy, confidence? Do I see kindness? Um, you know, we made an announcement this week that, that we're, we're trying to do a little bit better job. I think we have a little bit of reputation here at church that maybe we're not masking quite enough. And so, for example, like today when you leave, just as you interact with people, just throw your mask on. We really want to show care and kindness to, to one another in those ways. But, but, um, you know, like what's happening? Is there fear or confidence in God? See that the label given to Satan in this context, is the accuser, the one who accuses. He accuses believers before God. He falsely accuses them of heinous things in an effort to tarnish their reputation before God. So the devil is always accusing, right? He's accusing you. He's accusing you before God. He, he, he wants to rattle your confidence. And so he's always trash talking, right? He's saying, ah, oh, you're, you're not good enough. You don't believe enough. You don't really, you don't really know what you're talking about. You know, everybody else is smarter than you. Like he'll just, he just trash talks you all the time. You know, if you're, if you play sports, you, you trash talk a little bit out of fun to try to knock your opponent off their mental game, right? The devil's doing that all the time to you. And then you, he, he, he accuses you. He, he tempts you into something and, and then he gets you to sin. And then he says, 
Why did you do that? You're such a loser. Not a, you know, it's it just, it's this constant barrage. And, and so, um, it's really annoying, honestly. So, we're stuck in this world. We've got the, the uh, accuser who's accusing us. How do we win? How do we win in this thing? And I don't mean participate. I mean win. How do we win in life in this setting? I want you to look at verse 11 with me one more time. Uh, it says this, talking about these, these are, these are the believers, and they have defeated him, they won, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Three things we're going to look at. Right? Remember, we're talking about those who've already lost their lives for the gospel, for they've already lost their lives for Christ, and to the world it would appear that they've, they've lost. If someone, you know, if, if, if an enemy of a believer kills a believer, he'd say, it looks like they won the fight. Um, but instead we're told that these believers are the ones who are actually victorious over the accuser. They've defeated the devil. And so um, we're talking about, these are particularly in this context talking about martyrs, people who have died for their faith. And hey, we don't know in this life, just consider how quickly things changed in the last three, four months. Uh, the day could come where you or I may maybe really faced with a life and death choice. Will I stand for Christ or not at the, at the cost of my life? It, it could happen. It's, but even in our daily interactions with people and just getting through life, I've got three little ways that these martyrs can help us win in our spiritual life. The first thing is this, that we win by confidence in Christ. He talks about the blood of the Lamb, right? The faith to believe that Jesus is revealed as the Lamb who was slain or the lamb who was slaughtered or lamb who was killed and yet he is alive it's always talked about in the present tense because jesus is alive now so he was slain but he's alive today and the the, the blood that jesus spilled uh, at the cross and we sang it in in that song yet not i but through christ in me it's such a powerful song i love the the teaching of, of doctrine in that song um, because his blood is the atoning sacrifice for our sin his jesus blood pays for or covers or makes possible the forgiveness of our sin and so he was killed for us and yet he is alive and so you just think about this the spilled blood of jesus there's kind of two parts to this the spilled blood of jesus is the source of our salvation and the new and eternal life that we have in christ is because of his resurrection so your sins are taken by his death but your life is given to you by his eternal life being raised to life. So, listen, your ability to live confidently in faith and assurance, no matter what you're going through, is because of the blood of the Lamb. That's your confidence. And that confidence is, is fueled, um, then by the resurrection of Jesus. So you have life forever. Jesus really did die, but He's really alive now and forever. So, you win by just confidence in Christ, declaring it, reminding yourself about that. And, you know, you can sing a song like that, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Confidence in Christ. Second, we went through the spoken testimony. When everyone around you says, you're nuts, you're crazy. Why would you believe that, that old, those old fairy tales? Why would you believe those myths or whatever they come up with? When, when the accuser tells you you're not good enough, when he, when, when, when he tells you, tells you you don't have enough faith or whatever it is, I want you to remember your testimony. There's enormous power in the spoken word. This week, uh, in my connection group, 
uh, we prayed for a couple of, I, I would say, pretty heavy prayer requests, really challenging prayer requests. One was regarding a health situation, and, and one was about a workplace issue. And uh, they both these members that, that made these requests were intimidated by appointments that they were facing the next day. And um, pretty serious stuff. So we prayed and just left it with the Lord, trusted in Him. Both people resp- reported back to me how God had answered their, their prayers and how the situations had gone way better than they expected. And, and, and you know, it was positive and just so thankful. That's a testimony. That's the word of testimony. Hey, we brought this to God and God did it. Isn't he God good? So, you know, whether you're here, you know, friends online, like, don't forget that you have moments of testimony to say, God answered my prayer. God met me. God comforted me. God was with me. God healed me. Whatever your testimony is, don't forget to speak your testimony. There's power in the spoken word. And so you defeat the devil by speaking up about what God has done in your life. Third thing is, we win by being fearless toward death. Fearless toward death. This is maybe the hardest one to relate to because I'm not sure that any of us have really faced this in this life, but, but this is a big one. Verse, verse 11 says, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They didn't love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. We all, we will all die, right? Which, which movie is all men die, but not all men live? Like, right, we will all die, but, but how are you gonna live? How are you gonna live? Is it, it's really about, I think it really comes down to what we love. Do I love my life so much that I, that I live in fear of death, that I live in fear of losing it, that, that all I have is this, what I can experience and, and, you know, do I just like my, my stuff and my house and my kids and my family, I just gotta hang on to all that. I can't, can't, can't lose anything or that, that's loving life or saying, you know what? I don't love it so much that I'm willing to, unwilling to let it go. I love God. I love what God's doing for me. I love the eternal life that God's promised me. So the martyrs understood, and they understand even today, that this life is temporary. What happens here and now is, is just a blip on the screen. And what's to come is eternal. And, and even now, I just would challenge us, friends, listen. Are we letting the fear in our culture and the fear around COVID and the fear around, you know, political challenges, are we letting that fear keep us, you know, hold up and hunker down instead of living fearlessly? I want you to get out and live. We don't, listen, we're, we're going to be wise about it. We're going to be smart about how we conduct ourselves and we're going to be respectful and careful to others. And we, we want to take reasonable precautions around all these things. I get that. But, but I don't want you to live hold up and afraid to to exist. Um, we don't have to fear death for our faith, even though that may happen to any of us one day. Around the world, listen, around the world today, we say one in eight Christians faces, lives in an area of real persecution. One in eight believers faces persecution every day, knowing that they could suffer in some way just for being a follower of Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think any of us have... A, let me invite the worship team to, to 
come back to the platform here. I don't think any of us have the thought that our neighbor may have burned our house down while we were at church just because we were believers. Like we, we, I don't really relate to that at all. But it's the reality for many. And so I just want to finish with this brief passage out of Hebrews chapter 10, picking up at verse 32. The writer of Hebrews is, is communicating to these Christians that have, have really been, been suffering. And he says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember, remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. I just want to encourage us today. I know it's kind of a heavy subject talking about suffering for your faith. But but I want you to understand that in the midst of that, we're invited to live with joy and freedom and confidence in Christ. Here's the thing. When you've already died to yourself and to the loves and concerns of this world, you have nothing to lose and only everything to gain. And so, folks, and these kinds of folks, and and you can tell it's real anguish, but often the testimony also says, listen, I've, I've already died, so you can't really kill me. I've died to the concerns of this world. I've died to the, the things that, that, you know, hold, hold me. And I live for Christ. And so that's where that place of confidence is. The number one thing I would want for you, if you don't already know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I just would love to invite you and explain again how you can know Christ for yourself. To know your sins are forgiven, that an eternal life is prepared for you. Sometimes here we just call it the ABCs. Uh, A is just to admit, admit I'm a sinner and I need saving. To B is to to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sin and He rose again. C is to commit to your life to follow Him. Admit, believe, and commit. And if you do that, just in your own words, you'd pray, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that You died for my sin and You rose again. And I commit my life to follow You. And if that's a sincere prayer of your heart, we say you're born again. You're a new person in Christ. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you begin to walk in freedom with Him. I'd love to help you with that, whether you're online this morning or here. If that's the desire of your heart, we'd love to help you with that. We're going to sing a closing song that's just really upbeat and, and strong. Christy, I'll let you move your mic in place. It's, uh, let me just uh, close in prayer as we uh, we just sing the song about the freedom that we have in Christ. God, we're, we're just reminded even now even from revelation and hebrews that that there are those who suffer for following you and yet we see that even then the hebrews were that in the book of hebrews they were they were commended for coming alongside those who had suffered and helping those who were in need and god if there's places where we can do that i pray that you reveal that to us and lord for those places where we've been afraid and and, and we're sort of loving life more than loving you i pray that you would 
release us of that, forgive us of that, and let us follow you with joy and confidence. We thank you for brothers and sisters around the world who are standing strong in their testimony for you, even if it means losing their life, losing their families, losing their homes and businesses. God, I just thank you that the day will come when they will be commended and rewarded by you for their faithfulness. And Lord, if it should ever come to that for us, God, would you give us the courage and the strength to stand for you in the midst of that. Lord, we love the freedom that we have to worship you. We love the freedom that we have to to gather in your name. And we just thank you for that. And uh, God, we just worship you with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.